Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Mm, streaming live all the way across the uh, internet, that's right, and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Whew, it's all those things and then some. Good morning and welcome to it, the Michael Duke Show. Uh, hi, how, how, how are you? How, how is things going? How's, how's your, how was your weekend, man? How was your weekend, baby? Well, uh, mine was good. Um, I, uh, man, it was, uh, it was real good. We had a, we had a real good time and, uh, I'm fully rested and restored. Well, I mean, I don't know how restored I am. I didn't, I didn't get quite enough time off, but that's okay. That's okay. We're going to, we're going to deal with that here later on this week. Okay. Um, so on the show today, I got uh, I got I got no guests. I I had one lined up, and um, one of my guests from uh, from the, one of the you know places outside the one of the outside bookers, and I got an email yesterday that they, they couldn't make it after all after we confirmed. So we won't be talking about federal budgets and inflation and some other stuff. We instead will be talking about other things. What you may ask, I have no idea because I didn't see that email till this morning. Uh, because, as you know, I tend to unplug from the, uh, I tend to unplug from the internet and all the stuff that's well, not from the internet, but you know, from my emails and my text messages and my phone. I I I tend to unplug from all that stuff on the weekend. So it is what it is. Um. I will make a mention of this. Barbara sent me an email. Michael, can you alert your listeners on Monday morning that the House Education uh, is hearing HB 256 bright and early this morning right after your show? This is the 2575 POMV bill. It will also be heard on Tuesday uh, in, uh, well, that can't be right because today's the 14th, so Tuesday's not. Anyway, it'll be heard, heard Tuesday, the 16th, in the Ways and Means Committee. So if people send their email to both committees, that would save uh, email writing. House Education and Ways and Means will be hearing it on Monday. Uh, and uh, then Tuesday, uh, the bill is really a PFD bill. It reduces the PFD and dedicates part of that draw to education, assuring more funding for Alaska's Common Core-style standards. And uh, there's all different kinds of stuff that you can find out about it. But it's going to be heard in House Education, the House Education Committee. Um, Mike Prax is a member of both committees, so you probably only need to email him once. But the information is up on basis, and you can get all that. Uh, you can get all this stuff. I'm going to go ahead and drop the hearing schedule for the bill in the chat room. So if folks want to find out more about what's going on and uh, you want to do it, you can take a look at the... You could take a look at it. It's all there in the chat room right now, and you can go. Uh, you can go take a look at it. 
as we uh, as we go through. Okay, uh, so that was one of the things from the email that I also caught this morning. <laughs> I mean, come on, I was just trying to, oh, just trying to relax a little bit this weekend. Just trying to relax. So uh, I want to go over. Um, uh, so I want to go over uh, some of the headlines that were going on out there. We'll talk a little bit about that, and then what we will do is we um, we will uh, just take some phone calls and talk to you about it, uh, about some of these issues and more. You know, we never did last week because I was going to talk about the Charter of Changes, and then we got into the middle of it with the f- freaking chicken thing, the chicken, the chicken conspiracy, the great chicken conspiracy of 2022, where they were going to apparently it turned out later on that what it was is that it was a um apparently it was a vote for reconsideration on a bill that had been defeated already so they had already defeated the chicken the chicken the chicken registration bill and then they were just reconsidering it so um and and I I guess they they shut it down I I Anyway, I was going to talk about the Charter of Changes on that day, and I lost my mind. You'll remember that vaguely. Yeah. That was me. I lost my mind on that. So (laughs) I was so agitated by that whole thing. I mean, it is just, oh, so, so greatly irritated by it. So anyway, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Charter of Changes, so I thought today might be a good way to pull all those together so we can... We could chit-chat about that, and we could do all that and uh, and cover it as well. So let me first and foremost, I guess I will open up the Pivotel call-in line at 433-3150. I have discovered in the last week or so that uh, they're really getting serious about that 907 thing where you got to dial all 10 digits because half the phone numbers that I keep trying to dial are not working. So you might want to put the 907 on the front of that. 907-433-3150 for the Pivotel call-in line, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. We want to say thank you to them for sponsoring the program, um, and we will be talking more about that later this morning. All right, so what were the headlines that I grabbed this morning that kind of caught my attention? Well, first and foremost, the redistricting trial has concluded. Um, the judge is required to rule tomorrow, according to the ADN. Uh, judge Thomas Matthews has said, "You'll get my decision next week." He said this on Friday. Uh, hopefully, before eleven fifty-nine on Tuesday. I don't know why it's so specific that if noon is the deadline, but there you go. On Friday, Judge Thomas Matthews heard closing arguments in a case that combined five legal challenges to the boundaries set by the Alaska Redistricting Board last year. Now, this whole thing with the redistricting, we know that, I mean, this this thing is a hot mess, right? I mean, it always is. The, the decision, uh, you know, the redistricting decisions have always been made by, by, basically, by the courts. I think the last, in the last, because it's done, it's done on a decentennial basis, so it's done every 10 years. And I want to say probably in the last five or six, this will maybe I think this will be the sixth year in a row 
where they have basically um, been decided by the courts. That I mean, the board has something to do with it, but in the long run, the board submits something, and then the courts ultimately decide through litigation which version of the uh, of the thing came out. Now, this year is even more more of a hot mess because of delays in the 2020 census. The census results, of course, are what's needed to run the redistricting board because they're now pulling new numbers based on the census numbers, right? The redistricting board, because of those COVID delays, didn't finish its work until November. That meant uh, that legal challenges, which have been heard over several months in prior uh, uh, decisions on redistricting, were compressed into six weeks of uh, frenetic work that uh, concludes this week. Now, let's take a look at some of the changes that are going to be proposed and some of the different things that they've combined and um, some of the arguments that are being made right now. The biggest one, I think, uh, one of the biggest challenges comes from the East Anchorage State Senate lawsuit. This is where they have basically, uh, each Senate district is made up of two House districts, and they're supposed to be conjoined House districts, right? They're supposed to be joined together. Well, the boards decided to join an Eagle River House district, one with a district in Muldoon, and the other covering Joint Base, Elmendorf, Richardson, and Government Hill. Now, those who are complaining about this said the two Eagle River districts need to be joined together instead. Uh, their argument is, which I I thought was a little weird, um, that what they are doing violates the equal protection, what their proposal is with joining Muldoon and Eagle River, violates the equal protection clause of the Constitution because it const- uh, constitutes a geographic gerrymandering with partisan and racial undertones. What? I mean, with what? Because Muldoon is, I don't know. I mean, what are you trying to say? Because Muldoon has a higher, um, has a higher rate of ethnicities or, I mean, I just don't even, you know, uh, the attorney who is representing the state board said that the argument, that argument, is a, myo- a myopic attempt to secure a political outcome through litigation. Which, I mean, come on, Matt. Every <laughs> every one of the last uh, redistricting cases over the last fifty years has been a myopic attempt to secure a political outcome through litigation. I mean, gerrymandering is the word of the day when thrown around when you're talking about creating district boundaries and this kind of stuff. And when it always has to be decided by a court, of course it's going to be. That's going to be what it is. But, I mean, I I think really uh, uh, under prior Alaska court precedent, each part of Anchorage is as good as any other when it comes to social and economic integration, uh, uh, That, according to Singer adding that Muldoon-Eagle River pairing was chosen for rational reasons, including social and economic ties between Eagle River and Jay Bear. We're all Anchorageites under Alaska constitutional law. I'm not, not arguing that that's bad either. The other big one is the Matsu and the Valdez um, uh, lawsuit. 
That's a house race lawsuit. And for those of you who don't know what's going on there, the redistricting board's map of the state house puts Valdez into a house district that stretches all along the Glen Highway into the suburbs of Palmer and Wasilla. That's a big district. I mean, come on. All the way from Valdez, all the way down the Glen Highway, all the way into Palmer and Wasilla. Now, Valdez sued and the Matsu sued. They both sued. Uh, Valdez sued saying it should be placed into a district stretching north along the Richardson Highway, which, I mean, I would agree that they have more contiguous, that they have more, they have they have more of a relationship with what's going on in Fairbanks than they do of what's going on in the Matsu. Matsu sued on related grounds, saying that the inclusion of Valdez contributes to an overpopulated house district in the Matsu. Uh, of all 40 of the Alaska house districts, if they all had an equal share of the population, they'd have about 18,300 residents. Five of the seven most overpopulated districts are in the Matsu. And that indicates the borough was treated unfairly, according to their attorney, Stacy Stone. Um, there's been some discussion about how Doyon uh, is the regional corporation for all of the interior Alaska and that they were working on some other things that they didn't want it included in the Fairbanks district because it would overpopulate the Fairbanks district. Robin Brenna, who's representing Valdez, uh, said that the final result, results amount to illegal preferential treatment. Favoring the shareholders of Doyon and Atna, and I mean, it's this whole thing. You, you, you just, and then you got Callista in the southwest. You got Skagway hoping for a link to downtown Juneau instead of the suburb in the Mendenhall Glacier or the Mendenhall Valley. I mean, I mean, you got all these kind of things, and this the the state is the court's going to decide on Tuesday. State's going to decide. That's where it's all going to come out. They have already, and by the way, Matthews, Judge Matthews has already um, said that he expects that this is going to be challenged and move up to the Supreme Court. And in an interview this week, Chief Justice Daniel Winfrey said the court already has a tentative date on the calendar set for what they need to do if the redistricting appeal comes up. So <clears throat> they already know this is going to go back all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and of course, everybody's waiting around trying to figure out which district they're running in. Meanwhile, that's where it's at. So that's the big story for to start this to start the day off with. I guess that's the uh, first story of the day, and uh, we'll continue. We got some other things as well. Phone lines are open this morning. If you'd like to sound off, or you can jump into the chat room over on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Michael Duke Show, Facebook.com/slash Michael Duke Show. If you want to be part of the uh, whole thing in there, you could jump into the chat room. Is there as well? We'll return with more here in just a moment on your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. <clears throat> we are in the break right now. Go back to the chat room and see what you guys are doing this morning. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, my friend. Hello. No public festoon these bills. Good morning. 
Ain't no rest for the wicked. Um, oh, by the way, giving them more money never works, says Rick. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. <clears throat> if someone can post the emails from a lawmaker, sure people can copy and paste their notes and comment in real time. Uh, thankfully, we have phone with memory, says, says Brian. <laughs> yeah, it is a pain. To have to, because you just pick up the phone and I start to dial it, and then I'm like, oh, I got to put 907 in front, don't I? Terry says, we all know the courts will rule in favor of the most liberal districts. I mean, that's, I guess that's true. Um, <clears throat> good morning. Good morning, Glenn. Uh, and ask for more money to teach Common Core instead of the older state standards that we need to go back. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Just another way to screw up our 2022 elections. Appeal, redistricting. How about we reappeal ranked choice voting? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, when you're walking down Twitter Road with a boyfriend and friend who left Stanford at the height of the Vietnam protests, joining the U.S. Marines, a brief go home, salmon crunchers. Um, uh, there is the pickups for the state, too. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> how was your weekend? I mean, we had a lot of snow, a lot of snow at the house. And um, and my son went out and both my sons went out and scraped and scrubbed and did stuff down. Then my neighbor was kind enough to come over with the snowblower after my sons had scraped most of it out. And uh, we then we moved all the cars and they he blew it out for us, which was super nice. We definitely appreciate that. And... Um, so that was the big weather thing. Um, and then we got a chance. Oh, I watched Reacher this weekend. Dang, that was good. I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. It was uh, very good. Very good. I would recommend it highly to anybody out there who uh, has not watched it. Um, and then we watched uh, some uh, Hercule Poirot. Uh, and, um, well, I just hung out, just hung out. My wife made a delicious roast last night too. We had a big roast with mashed potatoes and oof. So good. So good. So tasty. Um, and now we're back into the week and now we're back into the week. You ready to go? Um, I will be, <clears throat> I will be off a week from today because a week from today is uh, is President's Day, right? Yeah, President's Day. I will be off a week from today. So just FYI, I gotta I gotta make sure that I let everybody know that <laughs> it was good. Uh, watched Reacher also, great movie and a series, says Chris. Uh, he said teacher, but I know he meant Reacher. Uh, didn't finish all of Reacher, but I think ep- six episodes. Yeah, no, I mean, it's only eight episodes long, so it's good. It's uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's it, it was really well done. And as Willie said on Friday, it's been so well done and so well received that they've already greenlit it for, for season two. So I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Um, when is shower the election voter suppression senator going to be on? 
<laughs> well, hopefully this week. That's the that's the theme. The the uh, the idea is is that he comes on this week to talk about uh, things with us. So that's where we're going to get started. Um, all right. Well, let me come back over here. Turn that back on. All right, you guys ready to go? We're going to jump back into it here. Um, like and share this video. Like and share. Like and follow. Subscribe and ring the bell. And there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Like and share. Here we go. Ding. Okay. Welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show. People in the chat room already starting to talk about uh, getting things ready for the greenhouse. Man, isn't it a little early for tomatoes? Or, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I always thought we started tomatoes in late March. But maybe that was just me. All right. Um... <clears throat> What else we got going on here this morning? Well, we just finished talking about the redistricting board, so that's going on. Did you see this thing that uh, down uh, across the United States is not really a state uh, story, but I will briefly touch on it just because I think, uh, again, more information is better than less information. There are Republicans across the Midwest right now who are pushing for schools to post all their class materials online for review. Uh, Republican state lawmakers in Ohio are trying to require schools to post all of their online materials so that the parents can review them. And it's part of a broader national push by GOP for a sweeping parents' bill of rights instead ahead of the uh, midterm congressional elections. Um, I love how they um, I love how they quote this. This is a story out of the I think it's a story out of the AP. It is. It's a story out of the AP. It says at least one proposal would give parents with no expertise power over curriculum choices. To which I would say, um, yeah, they're my kids. I want power whether I have expertise or not. I want to make those decisions. It's not up to you, Jack. At least one proposal would give parents with no expertise power over curriculum choices. This is the whole Terry McAuliffe, you know, you should have no say in this kind of thing. To which point I go, reason number 733 why I want to homeschool my children. They go on to talk about how the bill, these bills seem to insinuate that there's some hiding happening. And some of the school teachers are like, look, we're not hiding anything. The transparency is always there. And they talk about how all the different ways that parents could get the information. But some parents are pushing back and saying, well, but that's not really the truth. Uh, they said <clears throat> they said schools stopped sending home textbooks years ago, and they often fail to provide curriculum details when asks, uh, when asked. And that leaves parents groping for information when they're trying to help their kids with homework. I mean, again, more information is better than less information, I think, is the only thing that I could say at this point. 
Um, I mean, they they need to be able to have all this information online. And if a parent doesn't understand something because they don't have the expertise, then maybe somebody could explain it to them, right? Anyway, I just thought this was an interesting story because, uh, I mean, we need, again, more information is better than less information. And we definitely need more information on these kind of things uh, as to where our kids are going. I mean, that right there, that right there is uh, is the big thing. There are three bills heading to the Alaska legislature from Governor Mike Dunleavy, and they would all enhance penalties for domestic violence from uh, from domestic violence and sex trafficking crimes while prioritizing victim protection. Overall, in recent years, the rates of sexual assault and domestic violence have have dropped, but the again the domestic violence remains stubbornly high overall crime has decreased but the sexual assault and domestic violence are still high they have we have the highest rate of sexual assault in the nation according to a survey in 2020 57% of uh, women in alaska have experienced intimate partner violence or sexual assault during their lifetime the governor described the bills as a long overdue step towards addressing the issue and says that he believes that it's something that alaskans need to work to uh, together to fix. Um, although some are saying that maybe it's just more of a, I don't know, it's called the People's First Initiative. He's, he said it's uh, part of his whole program here that aims to address wide-ranging public safety issues. Uh, you could find out more about this at the ADN. It's going to cost about 700000 bucks a year because it's going to require additional staff. The bill is focused on, uh, one of the bills is focused on protecting victims that would allow key witnesses like an officer to summarize the testimony of victims in grand jury hearings um, and basically, I guess, delineate the difference between sex trafficking, human trafficking, and sex offenses. So there you go. Lots of lots of stuff coming on the horizon for that. I don't know if that's going to get any traction in our, um, in our uh, uh, legislature this year or not. <clears throat> Um, let's see. I'm going to get to the charter here in a minute, but I wanted to, oh, here was this other story. This was the one that I wanted to read about. So Don Young apparently showed up at the Matsu Republican convention this week. Um, it was this Saturday. It was over at the Menard Center in Wasilla. Now, what was interesting is, uh, first of all, Don Young arrived late. Now, the Young campaign said in a response to the story that Must Read had written, oh, that he arrived on time. But <laughs> because I'm Don Young and I always arrive on time. So he made an appearance at this uh, at this convention. It was uh, for District 27 and 28. Um, and the crowd gathered on Saturday to hear what was said. The uh, uh, Nick Baggage had already... Um, spoken earlier on because Don Young hadn't shown up, right? And so they allowed Baggage to start speaking, and so he had his say. And then Congressman Young came in and was quizzed pretty heartily about some of the things that were going on in his office. Now, he got up and said he wants to dispel the rumors that he's not running. He said, I'm running hard because I think it's important to the state. We've done a job for the state, and I'll continue to since I've been your congressman. My job is to hear you, listen to you, and try and solve your problems, and I've been good at that. I'm still good at that. Then, speaking apparently of baggage, 
um, who was Young's campaign co-chair, by the way, in the last election. He said, now, I don't blame anybody for trying to run for this seat. I hope they stay positive. If they don't, that's another story. Okay, so a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of a. So after Young spoke, members of the audience asked him a bunch of questions, and they started to ask him specifically if he supports vaccine mandates. Young says, and I quote, I don't think they should be mandated, period. I do believe in the vaccine. He said he grew up with vaccinations, but, quote, I don't believe you should be required to do it. I think that's wrong. I think it's overreaching by the federal government. That's your decision, unquote. So then somebody asked him if he has an office vaccine mandate and if one of his employees had been fired for refusing the vaccine. He answered, quote, I do have a vaccine mandate for my office staff because there are a lot of people that come into the office. I lost one employee. Uh, She left voluntarily, uh, but I have a vaccine mandate for the office, unquote. He also said he would be a no on any vaccine mandate from the federal government. And... (laughs) This is this is right after he said, I don't believe it should be required. I just don't. Okay. So then Baggage was given some extra time because earlier when he had spoken, before Young showed up, he'd been held to a strict time limit. So he brought out a copy of the Don Young official vaccine mandate, and he read the termination letter of the woman who was fired from Young's office for not taking the, the vaccine. And it was kind of crowd stunning. Uh, The letter says, quote, staff, as you're aware, the congressman implemented an office-wide vaccination policy that was announced yesterday. Blank, we won't mention the name here, has opted not to comply with their vaccination policy, and this ends her employment with us effective immediately. (laughs) So then Becky says, whoa, wait a second. Fired less than 24 hours after having been given an opportunity to get a vaccine. And now we hear the congressman stand up here in front of everybody in this room and say, hey, I'm opposed to vaccine mandates. But he had a vaccine mandates and does have a vaccine mandate in his own office. That's stone cold fact. And he didn't deny it finally. So, I mean, wow. (laughs) The the gloves are off at this point. The gloves are off. Look, Don, you should have just named your successor and worked them and worked with them. That's what you should have done. You should have just, you know, had them come down to your office, work with you the last year for your last, um, um, you know, for your last cycle here, um, and and just you know had them work with you and then named them as your successor. You should have just done that. You know, go gracefully. But he's going to go down fighting. And he's going to say, I'm for the mandate before I was against it, but now I'm for it because it's in my office and now you don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I could just see Don saying, I'm not late. I'm not late. You're late. I'm not late. But no, Don, you were late. No, I'm not late. You're late. Okay. All, all right. I see how that revisionist history is working out for you. You're late, not me. But the fact that he gets up there and says, that's right. I don't think we should be mandating it. I think it's wrong. Do you have a mandate in your office? Well, yes, I have a mandate in my office. And did you fire somebody? Well, yes, I fired somebody, but I think the mandate's wrong. Okay. (laughs) I don't think think that thing's working quite like you thought it. You know, you keep saying that word freedom. You don't think it means what you think it means, right? Just don't think it means what you think it means. Oh, 
Man. All right. Uh, Governor Mike Dunleavy has issued Administrative Order 331 on Wednesday, establishing a food security and independence task force. It's going to be comprised. This is just what we needed. Another working, another study group. The Alaska study industry has now gleaned that we need another study group to study the studies that we previously had written to study the study we've already studied. Task force is going to be comprised of 18 members, according to a release from the governor's office, which will include the commissioners of the DNR, Department of Fishing Game, Department of Environmental Conservation, Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, as well as 12 Alaskans from the farming, mariculture, and seafood industries. Additionally, two ex-officio non-voting members from the legislature will serve on the task force. The task force will announce in a press release issued on January 9th, and which recommended that the two legislators chosen to serve should be current members of the Alaska-grown legislative caucus. So we're going we're gonna to study the studies that we've studied before. Among the 10 duties the task force is charged with are recommendations to increase the use of Alaska source foods in local agencies, institutions, and schools, identifying barriers local producers are facing when starting businesses, I mean, I would say government regulation would be the first one, right? I mean, we don't have to chip all our chickens, do we? Or getting Alaskan products to market. The task force has also been asked to determine a need for disaster food caches and how they could be developed by using locally sourced foods. (laughs) Man, the governor's doing all kinds of stuff in this last minute here, right? I mean, this is... Oh... Man, we got studies. We got more studies. We're going to study the study that we previously studied. Uh, my good friend John used to call that the Alaska study industry. That's what we got. And we got reams of paper from people all over the place who've already done this once or twice. All right. We got to get out of there. We got more coming up. We will return in just a moment. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Think Your Radio, Free Thinking Radio, Free Think Your Radio. Wow. Back with more. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Glenn says, had my job pressure me into it via fired, if not. I'm a clinical staff with teen drug, I'm a clinical staff with teen drug addiction center. I mean, these are, you know, that's what always cracked me up is that all these people were working on the front lines of this stuff from the very beginning and willing to do so at their, you know, risk to their own health. And then when they, all of a sudden it was mandated, they were like, well, wait a second, we've been doing that without this for a long time. And now you're saying we have to do what um flew to southeast the plane was full of lobbyists doing fly-ins juno mm-hmm. uh did you hear about the drama at the fnsb assembly about trying to extend the comment period for ken ross's permit on the new mine 
I did not hear about the drama at the assembly about trying to extend the comment period for Ken Ross's permit. I would like to hear about it. I did not hear about it. Is the news it, do they even do they say anything about it? Uh called from like stand together against the hate. Grier Hopkins. Oh yes. Um uh, survey Alaska Small Business. I don't see anything. Uh no, I don't see it. If you want to drop me a link on that, uh Kenneth. Kenneth is out on YouTube. Kenneth, if you want to drop me a link on that story, I'd love to read up on it, but I did not see that. I did not see that. Um, it's funny, for decades, school teachers and administrators have called for parents to get more involved in their children's schooling. Now suddenly they want to shut parents out and not allow their involvement. Go parents, they are your kids. I mean, exactly, Jim. I mean, again, the whole idea that somehow because I don't have a teaching degree – I don't have the expertise to choose what to teach my children. Now, maybe I don't have the, you know, the details on on the process and the philosophy and all that kind of stuff, but I can figure out right from wrong, right? And I can figure out what I what I want to do with my kids. I don't need a college degree to figure that out. Um, Alaska is a case study on how overhead becomes its own agent and will work hard to protect their funding stream. That is a hundred percent golden truth from Harold right there. Um, Don Young needs to retire. 48 years is way too long. Yep. Um, met the guy 14 years ago. He should have gone then. Um, uh, committee to set up a committee, the committee to set up a committee to set up another committee. <laughs> And lo and behold, I got a text message from the CEO and president of the Alaska study industry. He said, I'm delighted more studies are in the works. We strive to study what needs to be studied. If it's not worth studying, it needs to be studied. So are the sage words of advice from the CEO and president of the Alaska study industry. Um, Young's ego is so inflated he couldn't get his big head through the door. Well, I mean, he obviously did get his head through the door. Um... Chip your chickens. Yes. Now that we have a special task force, does that mean that they'll get a raise? The study will cause a paper shortage. <laughs> Michael, I think you're onto something. We can chip all the animals. Well, first of all, we can't chip all the annals, annals of history, but we can let but we can chip the animals and then let them range free. Um when the rich rob the poor, it's called business. When the poor fight back, it's called violence, says Mark Twain. <laughs> Government needs to get out of our way and let us do what needs to be done for food security. The pencil pushers do not understand agriculture. I mean, I just had to laugh at that, that first, that first comment. You know, they've got to, we got to figure out what needs to happen. Among the 10 duties is we got to identifying barriers that local producers are facing when they are starting a business. Uh, how about governmental interference? Right? Uh, Dermot Cole, Dermot wrote an article about the assembly and the mine. Um, eat your carrots. Don't let yellow, don't eat yellow snow. Get the jab. Um, Grier Hopkins, you mean leisure suit Larry? <laughs> I was actually told that, says Laura, you don't have a teaching degree, so you don't understand. What? What? Chip your chicken. Chip your chicken. 
Uh, hashtag chip your chicken. Uh, are you kidding me? Study the study, the study, then study some more. Get out of our way. No, no, it, it's a very viable thing. I mean, you have to study the study that was studied before to make sure that you're studiously studying the study that was required from the previous study. Don't you know that? Uh, don't let this lousy education system convince you your kids are anything but exceptional. There's only a very small percentage into the field of education who understand differential equations. And you know what? But we have the internet for a reason. We can figure that stuff out. Like I said, hashtag homeschool your kids. Homeschool your kids. That's what I'm saying. All right, you guys ready to rock and roll? We're 20 seconds out. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Like it, share. And uh, I don't have any phone calls. I haven't any phone calls yet this morning. Apparently, I haven't said anything offensive enough. Let's get them phone calls rolling. Here we go. Okay, fine. <laughs> the chat room this morning is fire. I mean, they are just, they are on fire this morning here. Talking about different things and getting, uh, and getting just, I mean, they're, they're calling it like it is. Calling it like it is right now. People talking about all this different kind of stuff. All right, let's, um, I don't really want to talk about the, I don't really want to talk about the food safety thing right now. I mean, I would love to talk about food safety, but the fact that they've established a task force is just kind of disappointing at this point. Because, I mean, what, what's going to happen? Well, we need to figure out what's going on. First of all, we we got to get together and get a study. Now, everybody's got to get a salary, and then we've got to figure out where to meet. It'll probably be Hawaii. And then we could talk about supply chain. I, You know, I mean, it's just like, get out of the way. Just get out of the way and let people do what they're going to do. That's what needs to happen. But, you know, the answer to government is more government, right? Well, we just don't know what's going to happen, so let's get together and study it. <sighs> I I just I don't even know what to say. Oof. All right. <clears throat> Well, the phone lines are open if you want to sound off on any of those things right now. 433, uh, uh, quit requiring the tagging of reindeer. I mean, we should, you know, again, should we just chip all the chickens and, and the goats and the pigs and the weasels and the, uh, you know, the aardvarks and everything else that everybody's get? Should we create whole agencies devoted to making sure that we're registered and the government gets their pound of flesh? Is that what we should do? Um, all right. Uh, phone lines are open this morning. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you want to sound off, now is the time to do it. Uh, I want to talk about the charter of, <laughs> I want to talk about the charter of changes. That's what I want to talk about. Um, we were going to talk about it last week until we got into the, the chicken registration thing which, again, turned out to be much ado about nothing, but it was a good opportunity for me to uh, 
to uh, to vent my spleen a little bit over this whole idea of government overreach and how somebody had uh, uh, somebody has had you know immediately uh, got into the middle of it. Uh, oh, the Michael Duke show talks about food security one or two times, and then the government reacts. The power, use it wisely. I mean, I know, right? We talk a little bit about food security. Next thing you know, there's a there's a, a blue ribbon panel that's been impaneled to talk about it. <sighs> well, let's talk a little bit about the charter of changes. Now, again, we were going to talk about this last week, and we've revisited this several times. But really, here's what the charter of changes is. The goal of this show and the theme the theme of what I talk about should be and should be looked at as I am the biggest cheerleader of smaller, more limited government. That's what I do. That's that's what I believe in. I believe in smaller, more limited government that the government that is smallest and closest to the people is the one that's the most responsive and everything should be done uh, that can be done should be done to reduce the size and scope of what we're doing now i've been fighting that fight in this state for 20 plus years and we're we're still struggling we're still struggling away and not really getting anywhere on it. So a couple of years ago, I said, you know, we really need to line this out into simple, simple ideas. Simple and, you know, simple in concept, maybe not so simple in execution, but simple in concept. And so I broke it down into four separate things. Change the players, change the venue, change the rules, change the funding. Those are the four ideas that are the charter of changes. Now, I I tried to put them as well into order of importance. And I believe that changing the players, which essentially means changing the elected officials, and I guess to a minor way also changing out some of the bureaucracy, but really it was addressed to the elected officials, that changing the players was the number one priority. And we did. I mean, we we changed the players in the state overall. We did a pretty good job. We changed out almost fully one-third of the legislature. Now, the problem is, is that some of the members of the legislature who are kind of the old guard who had a lot of institutional knowledge, who knew where all the bodies were buried, so to speak, not the literal, but the proverbial, they remained. And so, therefore, they took control of a lot of the movement and ended up and ended up being a, a, a stumbling block to all these newer uh, legislators who came in there on a position of change. And I'm talking about the I'm talking about the Kelly Merricks and the not and the and the Bert Stedmans and the Click Bishops and the Bryce Edgemans of the world. That's who I'm talking about. So we need to continue to change the players. That's pretty much a given. That could take a whole show in and of itself. Now the problem is, of course, is that 
people who are in various areas, like, for example, down on the peninsula, where there's been some contention amongst some of those seats. I mean, you'll remember Ron Gillum's run against Peter Machicki initially and how kind of that was a wake-up call. Some of those areas could still be hotly contested, this this go-around. But there are other places where these people just keep coming back again and again and again. Kodiak, for example, keeps sending back uh, Louise Stutes. And they keep supporting Gary Stevens over and over and over again. Apparently, they're doing a great job for them, they feel. You got places like Sitka, the same place that brings you Jonathan Christ Tompkins, also brings you Bert Stedman, who, although he says he's a Republican, and, and I think is the one of the biggest advocates for bigger, better, better government in my personal opinion. So the challenge here is not going to be changing out the players in some of the reddest districts in the state. The challenge is how do you change out the players in these districts that are more, I guess, more purple, where people run as a Republican, and yet in the long run, they ain't really. Maybe this ranked choice thing will clear it out. Maybe the jungle primary and the ranked choice thing will clear it out. I don't know. But you, you know, that, that, the changing the players is going to be the first thing. But changing the venue, I think it's one that we've kind of ignored to a point. We're not talking about, um, we're not talking about changing, we're not talking about moving the capital. I, I want to be real clear on that. We're talking about moving the legislative session. Onto the road system, where the vast majority of Alaskans have a say in what's going on. That they can come in and they can have a conversation with their legislators face-to-face. That is probably, I mean, if you put the legislative session on the road system, you would have 85% of Alaskans have the ability to go down there and see their legislators face-to-face, poke them in the chest and say, hey, what are you doing? Right? I mean, uh, Harold made a comment in the chat room earlier that they flew down to Juneau and the, the plane was loaded with lobbyists who are going down to do it because they're the only ones that can afford it. They're the only ones that can afford it. You know, because it's two or three thousand bucks to fly down to Juneau just for a couple days, between the hotels and the housing and the and the cars and the and the planes and the and the flights and everything else. I mean, it's an expensive proposition. Whereas, if the legislative session was being held on the road system in Anchorage, in Wasilla, in Willow, in I mean, wherever name the name the spot on the road system. The average person could go participate and be there in just a handful of hours for usually less than 100 bucks. Now, would they? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. You got to realize, I mean, we've had this whole state, this, you know, we've been a state for 50 years. We've never had access like that to our legislature in the past. You think that just overnight people are just going to show up and change the way they do things? I mean, really? That's what you think? 
That's the big complaint. Well, we've had some legislative. No, but not ever. But some people did show up. They have had special sessions out on the road system, and some people did show up. You give them the opportunity to come look you in the eyeball and stand in those meetings during those meetings. Just see what that's like after a while. We need to get the legislative session onto the road system. And there are bills out there, including one that Mike Showers put forward, to do just that. Is it going to get a hearing? No. They don't, they don't want to get out of Juneau. They don't want to be on the road system. They don't want to be under your eye. They like being where they are. We'll continue with the Charter Changes after this. Hour 2, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Chris is not wrong on Twitch. He says the problem is, is the special interests will always buy off just enough legislators to protect their agenda. Yeah, that's how it is. Alaskan voters apparently don't understand. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Sending Peter Machicki back to Juno would tell Alaskan the Kenai is full of fools. Well, they they believe the rhetoric, right? Did all this chicken stuff start in Anchorage? Just a guess on my part because it, based on past performance, we'll be fine if they just let us raise our chickens, gather our eggs, and grow our gardens. We can give our excess to our neighbors. No, I mean, the, the whole thing in Fairbanks, that was a Fairbanks thing. That was not an uh, Anchorage thing. That was a Fairbanks thing. And it was apparently, I mean, I don't know, outgrowth of Title 22 where they wanted to uh, – where they wanted to uh, – basically force them to you know force you to register if you had chickens or ducks or goats or rabbits or whatever they wanted you to they wanted you to register them all and apparently chip them at one point as well which made no sense to me whatsoever sorry not interested but that's just me okay uh, $127 to fill up the truck, says Laura. Okay, so sorry. I drive a Mini Cooper, so, I mean, I don't, didn't know. So, just over 100 bucks, Laura. Sorry. <laughs> she made a liar out of me because I said for under 100 bucks. Okay, so maybe for over 100 bucks. $127. You can, you can fill up the truck. I know people who've lived in Alaska their whole lives, says Barbara, and have never been to Juneau. Hey, I've only been to Juno once as an adult, and uh, yeah, it it weren't it weren't cheap. It weren't cheap. I got a I got a discount as an elected official. I went down there for a for my new whatever elected official orientation that they do around the state after elections every year, and it was seven hundred dollars and change for the plane ticket. That was again with the with the elected official discount. And then my hotel rooms with another, I think my hotel room is another 680 bucks or something, plus food and everything else. I was only there for two days, and I had to get reimbursed like $1,800 for that. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. $100 says, Jim, have you bought gas lately? Again, Jim, I'm sorry. I drive a Mini Cooper. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I drive a 5,000-pound SUV. It bumps cars out of there. No Mini Coopers for me or mine. Well, there you go. Big truck is a necessity. Mini Cooper for retirement. Well, uh, big truck is a necessity for you, not for me, because when you drive back and forth as much as I do between Anchorage and Wasilla, um, I wouldn't be able to afford it at 12 bucks a gallon or whatever, or 12 gallon miles to the gallon, whatever these big SUVs get. Um, and, you know, I mean, I got like 15 airbags in that car. If you, it's one of the safest cars on the road today. Um, and it gets 32 miles to the gallon, so I can't complain right now, but... A big truck is nice to have occasionally, that's for sure. All right. Even here in Ketchikan, we can't get to Juneau. Move the legislature to the road system, says Susie. Yeah. Um, okay. Scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through. If you have to ask, don't buy it. You can't afford it. <laughs> Is that a thing? Is that a thing? I mean, I, what do you mean? If you have to ask, don't buy it. You can't afford it. I would always like to ask. My truck gets 8.2 miles to the gallon in the city. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> you have to strap a gas station to your ass to get around. That's how, that's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. Um. Those teaching degrees don't mean squat if the teachers never had any training on method of instruction. It took me a year to get used to the professors at my college. After my years of giving military instructions to military standards, it was hard to stomach, says Chuck. Okay. Chickens, chickens, chickens. Um, Bert Stedman. He cannot speak in complete sentences. Watched a committee meeting and he just stumbled around the issue of presentation. No clue. Well, I mean, I think he's got a clue. His clue is is that he wants to, he wants to, um, you know, protect the government spend. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Greg is like six. Is this a competition to the bottom now? Greg gets 6.5 miles to the gallon in his big truck, which I'm sure is used for your plow, right, Greg? I'm sure that's what that's all about. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) 6.5 miles to the gallon. Yeah, that'd ruin your day. Um, Yeah. Oof, man. I, I mean, I've had trucks. I've had everything else. I've driven all that stuff. And, uh, and I will tell you, it is tough when you're driving 120 miles round trip a day. Just think about that. Oof. Don't concern ourselves with prices. Prices go up and down. Live your life and stop worrying about the things you can't control or worry about the things you can. Well, that's fine, except for the fact that if you're trying to budget for something, you need to try and be as uh, responsible as you can be. And if you can cut your gas consumption in half, that seems to make sense, doesn't it? I mean, maybe. All right, we're going to go here. We're going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio, Hour 2, Dead Ahead.
Whoa, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Mm-hmm. Streaming live around the world and on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. It is The Michael Dukes Show. Welcome back to the program, hour two of the big radio broadcast for today. And we would love to hear what you guys have to say. Um, we're opening up the phone lines. It's open line, open form all morning. And uh, feel free to... Uh, uh, feel free to hit us back with anything that you want to talk about here. We'd love to uh, we'd love to have you help drive the conversation today. No guests going on this morning, and um, we uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna chat. We've been talking about the charter of changes, and we'll continue that discussion here in a minute. But uh, Barbara wanted me to remind you. She sent me an email uh, on Saturday uh, that Monday morning this today today right after the show. Uh, House Education is going to be hearing HB 256. Um, if you uh, don't know what HB 256 is, it's the 2575 POMV bill where it splits out and the people only get 25%. The government gets 75% and it guarantees a huge chunk of that 75% to it dedicates it to education or designates it to education because we can't have any dedicated funds in this state. But, I mean, you know what I mean. It, uh, it's going to be in front of House Education this morning, and then tomorrow it's going to be in front of Ways and Means. And so you can send um, your emails to both of those committees, uh, house.education at akleg.gov and house.ways.and.means at akleg.gov, just a dot between every word. House.education at akleg.gov and house.ways.and.means at akleg.gov. Anyway, you can email those two places with your thoughts on this, or you can pay attention and listen to it live this morning on Gavel to Gavel. So feel free to go out there and do that. Again, immediately after the show this morning or tomorrow in front of Ways to Be Mean. I mean, Ways and Means Committee. So, um, that's where, where were we? We were talking about, um, we were talking about the Charter of Changes. Uh, uh, yeah, we were on, where were we? Oh, we were uh, changing the venue. Yeah, changing the venue is probably, to, I, I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe I should be, I'm thinking maybe I should be uh, moving that up into the number one position. That uh, that is it is almost more important than changing the players. I mean, I don't know. I just I don't think it's getting enough because if even even if okay, let's just say hypothetically, 
If we changed, you know, we changed the players. I just mentioned that we've changed a third of the legislature out. And yet we're still getting, you know, we're still getting steamrolled by the powers that be. We're still getting, uh, you know, the business as usual crowd still has control of the committees and of the bodies. You still get the Bryce Edgmans in, in uh, you know, in positions of power and the Burt Stedmans, et cetera. But what if that was going on and people had access, had easy access to the legislature and, you know, they stood up in these meetings and they stood up, you know, when a, when a Senate Finance Committee meeting was going on, there was a room full of agitated and muttering people. Maybe that would have more power, more, you know, impact on what was going on rather than trying to change out the players right now. I don't know. I mean, maybe changing the venue should be the number one thing on the whoops, wrong one. Number one thing on the uh on the charter of changes. I mean, I would say that changing the venue and changing the players are pretty neck and neck now for number one need. Because if you just keep sending the same group of people back to Juno again and again and again, what are you going to get? Insanity. Because that's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Now, Many of the red districts have already done that. They've sent, they've changed out some of their players. They've done some of that. But what about the purple districts? What about the districts that have got people that they just keep sending back because it's comfortable? Because they, you know, they are, you know, how do you make those changes? I don't know how you make those changes other than talking to those people and the people in those districts and working with them. And and trying to convince them to stop sending the same batch of people to you know there over and over and over again. I mean, you know, if we could get the the Click Bishops and the Burt Stedmans and the um, uh, Louise Stutes and the Gary Stevens, if we could get some of those bigger government pro government people, you know, kind of out of there, we would have to convince their constituencies that that's what's needed. Because apparently the constituencies are very happy with them. I mean, they're fine. They vote them in over and over and over again. But I mean, I just don't know. I don't know how to get, you know, I just don't know how making the number. I don't just don't know how making changing the players or changing the venue. Which one is it? Number one, number two. It's a toss up at this point. Changing the rules. Changing the rules, two-thirds of the legend. Is it two-thirds? I thought it was just over 35%. Rob Myers is in the chat room, and he just said two-thirds of the legislatures has changed since 2016. It's that one pesky one-third, though, Rob, that keeps us, keeps us, it keeps us down. It's that pesky one-third. It keeps us down. 
Um, the third, uh, the third charter of change is a changing of the rules. This one's a little more complicated because it takes into account um, several different rules that the legislature has decided to make for themselves, and um, they have, uh, you know, that they they've decided to mandate that every other elected body in the state has to comply with, except for themselves. So the first was the binding caucus rule, which, surprisingly enough, the uh, the Senate has abjured this year. They haven't made it illegal yet, but they have not done a binding caucus this year. Binding caucus is only for the House majority. They're the only binding caucus in the legislature right now. None of the other majority or minority caucuses require a binding caucus, which essentially means that you sell your soul to get what you need, that you have to sell your vote before you see a single piece of legislation cross the line. That if you want to be part of our caucus, you will promise us that when we tell you to vote a certain way, you will vote that way. Whether it's on the budget or on procedural maneuvers, you guarantee us we will have your vote. Otherwise, no soup for you. That's right. You will be in the closet, the smallest little office with no staff. You'll be out on your ear. You won't have any. I mean, it's. When you describe what is going on with this, the average person who doesn't know anything about the the workings of the legislature or the binding caucus is a little just, I mean, they're astonished and they're horrified by what you, when you describe this to people. And so changing, uh, so changing the rule of the binding caucus is an important component of this. And we've been hitting on this pretty hard, and it's I, I think it's it's raised a lot of awareness on it, and I think we're part way to changing that rule. The second rule that needs to be changed in changing the rules is the Open Meetings Act. Any time that the that uh, an elected body meets, it should be a public meeting. The legislature deemed it that way. Except for the fact that, of course, they wrote themselves an exemption and allowed themselves to be excluded from that so they can have private meetings, um, caucus meetings, majority-minority meetings behind the scenes. They can count votes. They can wrangle. They can write legislation. They can do it all in private and then turn it out on the floor and demand that everybody vote for it. We saw that a couple years ago with the substitute budget that was put out in the House majority where they brought out a complete substitute of the budget and they said you have 90 minutes to decide whether or not to uh, to vote for this or not. Every other body in the state, every assembly, every city council, every road service area, every commission, every board, all their meetings have to be in public. In fact, not, you know, no two or three members of those boards can get together to talk about anything without it being a violation of the Open Meetings Act. And so if it's good enough for thee, then it should be good enough for me or vice versa. So the Open Meetings Act should apply to the legislature. Now, a lot of legislators will disagree saying, well, we get a lot of good work done behind the scenes and and people couldn't be themselves if they had to do it in public. They couldn't say what their true ideas are because they would be afraid of being viscerated by the public, but they can say it in front of their colleagues and then pull back to a more moderate position of 
I mean, if you can't do it in public, then what's the point? And finally, the third rule is the conflict of interest rule. Um, The conflict of interest rule in the legislature is a joke. Anytime somebody, you know, they declare a conflict, all it takes is a fellow legislator to say that they object to that first legislator declaring a conflict and it, they just, it becomes a moot point. But again, every other body in the state has to comply with these conflict of interest laws. And was somehow because the legislature is the legislature, they don't have to because it, because they need that expertise. They may be an expert on something if they're talking about oil and gas taxes and they happen to work for an oil and gas company, or if they're talking about timber or fisheries and they happen to be an expert on on timbers or fisheries because they have a vested interest in it. Somehow that's important. But if you're on an assembly and you want to talk about those things, and you can't do that because you have a vested interest. Again, one set of rules for me and another for thee, and that is the most irritating that I could possibly imagine, the most irritating thing that I could possibly imagine. That's why we have to change those rules. So change the players, change the venue, change the rules. And the final one is change the funding. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, but we are up against the break. So, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will uh, take your phone calls and see what you have to say. We'll talk about the final parts of the Charter of Changes. We'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I think sometimes Harold just says things to be bombastic and to stir the pot. He just wants people to be overwrought by what he's saying. He calls this place an echo chamber, yet I notice that he parks himself in here most mornings and then tries to proselytize and raise volunteers for his cause and his and his campaign in here while still insulting everybody here by talking about horse dewormer ointment. You notice that, huh? I mean, it's not just me. Chris on Twitch says, changing the players in the venue is not enough. You specifically need to change leadership that is not bound to special interests. I mean, I would agree that we definitely have a leadership problem. Uh, changing the players in the leadership positions is should be the number one priority. You know, presiding officers, chairs of various committees, including that most important 
finance committees in both the House and the Senate? Absolutely. And changing out the governor or at least getting a governor who, uh, you know, uh, scaring the governor straight. I don't know. Getting his communication. I've been on his team for like years, last two years, trying to get him to communicate more with the public. Uh, you know, to to execute and to announce his vision for what he's trying to do. I mean, this is something that we've been working on for. We know what the problem is. Paul says in um, on Kodiak, I know uh, of Louise Stutes. He says, I know of nobody here who likes her, but everybody votes for her. It can't be possible, Paul. I got an email from somebody from Kodiak who said that they listen to the show, they appreciate the show, and they said that they vote for Louise because they like her because she's a she's a nice person and she talks, she fights for the fisheries, which is the big thing for Kodiak, and I understand that. But where's the other choice? I mean, nobody's even running against her. That's the thing. Um, oh my gosh, do it in public. Everything else is done in public. Doing your job in public is a public servant. I mean, exactly. Right? That's been part of our problem this whole time. Well, we couldn't possibly have these meetings in public because then people would, I mean, you, you know, people would present ideas that may not make their constituents happy. Look, we all understand that sometimes making sausage is not a pretty process, but you know, we, we've, we've got to do it. If it's good enough for a city council, if it's good enough for a borough assembly, then by God, it should be good enough for a legislature. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. More communications from him, more transparency, says Jimmy, talking about Dunleavy. Charlie Pierce has clear vision on how to run the state as a business. Get some Democrats and liars on here and find out why they're doing what they do. They're on, they are the folks running this state to the ground. Well, I mean, again, as I said earlier, I think that the Alaska Republican Party has a large burden to bear as far as the blame for what's going on here. I couldn't, I can't agree with you more. Can't even watch what is going on in Juno. They turn it off and play music every time there's anything they don't want you to hear. Yeah. Um, I hope Kodiak finds somebody to run against her. Um, uh, scrolling through here, scrolling through. Um, can't even watch what's going on. And we need to all hear it so all can see how ignorance runs amok and gets rid of her. I, talking about, I think, uh, Louis Stutes. They put Soldovia in with Kodiak, and I can't stand Louis Stutes and what she does, says Chris. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. We're 20 seconds out, folks. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Hit follow on Twitch. Let's jump back into it here. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go.
Okay. Welcome back to the program. Let's continue on here. We uh, got one line on hold, actually. Well, look at that. Somebody called in today. I thought the phones may have been broken. We've been talking about the charter of changes, changing the players, the venue, the rules, and now the funding. But before we get to the funding component of it, let's see what uh, you guys have to say here. And we'll get your take on it at 903-907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Michael. This is Rob from Fairbanks. Well, good morning, my friend. How are you? I haven't talked to you in a long time. You sometimes you're pretty hard to get a hold of. Oh, in a coon's age, my friend, a coon's age. What's uh, what's going on? So, Michael, you know, how much time do these people they get paid down in Juneau, and a, at a certain amount of time is it that they have to do all their voting and secret parties and pong and everything else that they do down there is there a time frame that they work is there a time frame that they work well the beginning of the session was the 18th of january and they're supposed to go for 90 days from that start date according to statute but the constitution does allow for 120 days so they can go for 120 days from that mark okay so so why don't we change their uh status why don't we take um they have their time in their office and then we kick them out of their office and then they go on the parks highway and uh and they sell their wares to the people that can't get a hold of them and give them a time frame well field work yeah i mean I it, look. Uh, I've I've said that many times. I mean, that's why I carried one of those petitions for that ninety day, uh, for that ninety day session because I believe that things needed uh, to get done, um, and we were trying to find a way. Uh, you know, we were trying to find a way to make that happen. Uh, but it's just there just does not seem to be the political will to fall in line with that. I mean, of the since of whatever it's been fifteen years or whatever since we put that ninety day session in through a citizens initiative i think they've only hit it once or twice in 15 years okay well you know it's just like they need to come out of there and do field work like the rest of the people of alaska and then they can go back to their office but if they get out in the field they got parks highway they've got the whole state to drive around and and uh enter winter bagos or whatever they're gonna have right and uh just yeah get them away from there you know well we got 90 days but you know i've got a bunch of people gonna do a fishing trip with me and you know they just need to change the schedule here and thank you michael no i appreciate it rob i mean i agree i mean i think that they need to follow that uh, i think they need to follow that deadline i think they need to be part of it and unfortunately I mean, we've put it up there as part of the statute, but they've ignored that just like they ignore other statutes that are inconvenient to them as well. And you'll notice that nobody will put together. I mean, there's been talk about putting together, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, language uh, to remove that statute from the books. But you know what would happen then? Oh, man. Oof. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? 
Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene and Kodiak. Well, good morning, Carlene. Somebody just said in the chat room that they hoped it was Carlene and Kodiak on the phone and that she was going to say that she was going to run for office. Carlene, that's a challenge is what it sounds like to me. I have no influence, no influence whatsoever. What I'm calling about, though, is that I did go to a town hall meeting several years ago Governor Dunleavy was invited. He's been invited a number of times to come to Kodiak for things like that, but he declines. And then we are told that he will listen to the proceedings later. But at the town hall meeting, Gary Stevens let the audience know that more people voted for the marijuana initiative than voted for him. He ran unopposed. And Louis Stutz the last time ran unopposed. So it was almost like we were getting a little bit of a scolding because more people voted for the marijuana initiative than voted for him. What that's telling me is that everybody's not so happy with him, and it's also telling me that he's not very happy with us voters, and it just feels like it um, maybe pissed him off a little bit. And the criticism is something, you know, learned years ago when somebody criticizes you, there could be a little bit of truth in it, so listen to it and see see what they're saying to you, but it just seems to have made him angry, and then it feels like like Lisa Murkowski, she was angry at us for not voting for her and then had to um, do all of the write-ins, and it feels like that pissed her off, and then they just go and do it their own way. Right. They don't take us into consideration. Well, I mean, you know, you're right. It is amazing that more people get... I mean, I guess... I should be happy that people will vote on an issue that they care about or that they have an interest in and that if they don't know about something else, like, for example, you know, they may want to go take a ballot because they wanted to vote on an initiative like the marijuana initiative, but they didn't know enough about the candidates to make a to make a, an educated guess at the candidates, then I, I guess I should applaud that but because at least they're not just filling them out at random. But at the same time, it also says that most people are not paying attention to what's going on in government, right? They have the one hot button issue that they will vote on, but then they don't vote on all those other, all the other, like the offices and things like that, because they, there hasn't been enough of a, you know, there hasn't been enough of a buzz. Maybe there, you know, was Gary even challenged outside of the, uh, I mean, I know he had the primary, but even hardly outside of that. Uh, he had one independent candidate that ran against him, and that was it. You know, so where's where are the where are the other candidates who who would going to get in there and jump in there and run against it? I mean, maybe that's one of the good things about the jungle primary, Carlene, is that you will have pretty much anybody that is ready for office that has filed the paperwork and done all the legwork. They will be on that jungle primary ballot. Maybe it'll be more of a battle this time. The truth is we know him after 50 years of him being here, and so the people didn't vote for him. They just uh, didn't put the next in that box. Right. Well, that's true. Um, and maybe <clears throat> maybe that should be a wake-up call to him. I don't know. Um, I would be... I, 
excuse me, I think it was a wake-up call, and I think he just started to go his own way. He was going to do what he was going to do then. I think we just made him angry. Well, I'm, boy, I feel really bad that we made an elected official angry with his constituency. That just seems to be counterproductive, Carlene. I just don't see that going on. You know what we need is we need to we need to draft a, we need to draft a Carlene into the uh, into the legislature. That's what we need to do. No. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Fine. I mean, I'd love to have some of that common sense in there, though, for sure. I really would. Well, Carlene, as always, we appreciate you calling in. Thanks for being part of it today. Yes. Bye. Uh, phone lines are open right now. That leaves all four lines open at 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, but <clears throat> maybe that's what that's showing, that maybe people are frustrated and fed up with the uh, with the candidates that are available to them. So they just don't vote at all. They'll come in and vote on the ballot initiatives or anything else, but they just won't pull the lever for a candidate in one of the other offices because either they don't know or they're just frustrated and they don't want to. Maybe that's what it's about. I don't know, but we just we need more. We need more candidates. We need more options, more options, definitely better than less options at this point. Need to make sure that that comes through. And not just in Kodiak, but in Fairbanks, in Sitka, Ketchikan, I mean, all up and down. We need all of those people. And, I mean, if we're truly going to change out the players, you need to be reaching out to people that you know in these areas and asking them questions like, why do you keep voting for so-and-so? And maybe they'll tell you, oh, we don't. Okay, well, good. How do we get the rest of them out of there? You know, how do we get the rest of them out of there? That's the question. 907-433-3150. Email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com. M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. If you'd like to be part of it, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget that the House Education Committee today is going to be hearing HB 256, which is that new PFD bill that splits 75% of the POMV draw off to education and government spending. Don't forget that that's coming up this morning in House Education, and then tomorrow it'll be up in the Ways and Means Committee. So you need to go check it out there as well. Let's go back over to the phones here. we got about uh, three or four minutes before we run out of daylight on uh, this end. And we'll get things uh, we'll get things ready to go. Let's start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, Sandra from Fairbanks. Good morning, Sandra. So one of the reasons why you're not going to get a lot of variety is um, Jill Miller's campaign was in 2010 was the first campaign that I really got involved with, and the smear campaign that local people did on him destroyed his. You know, even though he won the primary, destroyed him. Who wants to go through that? Yeah, we want common sense in the legislature, but, you know, do you really want people to go to your job and interview, you know, your character? And, you know, that's why you're not going to get the average person, you know, to run. Well, I mean, I think that there are people who have. I mean, we watch Ron Gillum come from utter obscurity to, uh, nearly knocking out one of the long you know one of the longer running senators there into Peter Machicki and then ended up taking the house seat later on anyway so we know it does happen does it make it less attractive absolutely 
I mean, absolutely, it makes it less attractive. I've had people say that to me in the past. Like, I mean, I would run, but man, it's, you know, do I want to expose my my family and my whole life to that? I mean, I ran for borough assembly and I had people impugning my character as well. I mean, it worked out well for me because, I mean, they mentioned me by name, which I thought was great. But, I mean, it was, you know, you're right. I mean, it is a, it is a dog-eat-dog world. It is a tough road to hoe. But what we're looking for is people who have the intestinal fortitude to be able to stand up to that and say, I got nothing to hide. Bring it on. Let's go. We're going to make a difference here. Um, but, I mean, you're right, Sandra. I mean, it is a tough choice. I mean, it would be one thing if they're going after you based upon the truth. You know, like if they actually are going after the issues. Like, you know, 10 years ago you said that you were for um, – you are against legalization of marijuana, and now you think it should be legal. But they're not going after people based upon the truth. They're going after them about, you know, you know, who did they, you know, did they go to the prom with their girlfriend, or did they go with, you know, two women, or you know, they're going after stupid, right, right. So not salacious, going after them over salacious stuff, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there is that. <clears throat> there is that. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, Sander, we have to look for people who are willing to take that. And it does. Is it make it right? No. But it is uh, it is a tough uh, it is a tough call for sure. Sander, thank you for your call. I got one more call before we go to break. Let's go back over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Randy, go ahead quickly. Uh, yes. On uh, Saturday in the Fairbanks newspaper, there was a letter to the editor uh, titled uh, Support for SB 156, and what SB 156 is, is it would make it illegal to discriminate against people who have not had a vaccination, you know, the government couldn't make any mm-hmm. uh, discriminatory rules on that. Right. But also, I looked at it, it was it was um, introduced by uh, Laura, Senator Laura Reinbold on uh, January 18th, 2022. But anyway, I think I'm kind of against it, you know, I'm, I'm all for the part that would say that the government can't do that, but it goes on into the private sector, and I think that the private sector should be able to run their business and put up whatever conditions they want. You know, I wouldn't like it, you know, if, if, if an employer said that i got to have a vaccination, you know, I'd either quit or just wouldn't work for that company because I am not vaccinated myself. I have never taken the COVID vac- vaccine, and uh, but I'm pro-vaccine, by the way, because I think it's nice that it's available. Right. Somebody wants it, you know. But uh, I know a few uh, months ago there was an article <clears throat> in the paper about how a certain restaurant here in town, Lavelle's Bistro specifically, uh, has a policy where they will not serve a person who has not had a vaccine. And I think that's their right. You know, it means that, it means that I'm discriminated against by them. You know, I can't go into their restaurant because I don't have a vaccination. But I think that's their right. So I think I'm against uh, at least that part of SB 156. Telling private businesses what they can do or what they can't do. I mean, you're right. You have yeah. the ability to go into Lavelle's or not go into Lavelle's. And if they are discriminating against you, you have the ability to tell other people um, not to go there because of that discriminatory policy. You're absolutely right. I mean, that is you're you're 100 percent right in that, Randy. And I and I agree. I am loath to have the government interfere in private business as well. If a business has made a decision like that then it's up to me and others to decide whether to patronize that business or not. Uh, so you and I are going to be in agreement on that. Oh, glory day. You and I are going to be in agreement on that for sure. 
Uh, Randy, thank you for your call. Look, we're up against the break. We got to go. We got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. One final segment. We're going to open up the phone lines. Keep them open right now. If you want to sound off, we'd love to hear what you have to say. We're going to talk about the charter of changes when we get back, plus some other comments from the chat room as well. We'll continue with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio is what we do on The Michael Luke Show. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are in the break. Let me go back up here. I see that uh, there's been some comments. Um, Kevin McCabe says there's a group of people down here who think that since they are elected for their principles, values, and morals, that they can do what they wish and not listen to their constituents. Their idea is that the constituency does not wish to be bothered with the day-to-day legislative stuff, (laughs) except for maybe they do, right? I mean, just because you feel that way. And then when the constituency rises up and says something, you shouldn't say, well, you guys didn't really want to, you didn't really mean that because we don't want to bother you with it, right? Except for when they do stand up and want to have a say in what's going on. He's probably right in most of the day-to-day stuff. They don't really want to be bothered with it, but there are certain times and there are certain things that they are upset or excited about. Um, the bill to repeal the 90 day session. Did it actually get submitted? Senator Stevens. Uh, huh. Repeal the 90 day session limit. Senator Stevens has submitted it. Oh, that was last year. I didn't realize that he'd actually submitted that last year. Oof. Well, There you go. Thanks, Rob, for dropping that link to me. I appreciate that. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I know that they've talked about it because they definitely don't like it. They definitely do not like the fact that this 90-day session is, is hanging over their head because then they have to admit that they broke the statute. And, I mean, I guess we could at least give, uh, uh, Gary Stevens, kudos for wanting to fix the law that they continue to ignore. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. Um, Gary Stevens will have a good challenger soon, says Susie. Do you know something that we don't, Susie? Because, I, I mean, I'd like to know about that. I would like to know about that. Terry says, Carlene, you have great influence here on the show. Give it a shot. Could you imagine little Carlene? I mean, I don't even know what Carlene looks like, but I just imagine her this quiet little grandmotherly lady who gets up there and just, you know, tells it like it is. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) That would be awesome. Oh, man. 
Um, okay. Now that is funny. True, but funny. I don't know what, uh, what Kevin's saying is true, but funny, but I'm sure whatever it was, it was great. Man, um, mandates are not laws. They are a crime against the Nuremberg Code. Do not comply. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Tell me, tell me how you feel about that. Tell me how you feel about that. Okay. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow on the program, Brad Keithley will be joining us along with Chris Story, the man from Homer who comes in to talk with us about pottery, positivity, and how not to become a nihilist. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> uh, not become a nihilist. Uh, lots of businesses have retracted their vaccine mandates. Even Starbucks did. Yeah. I mean, well, I think a lot of them put them in place ahead of the – they jumped the gun because – they were looking at the OSHA mandates. They figured it was going to be a. They thought it was going to be a federal, a federal deal, a federal mandate, and so they, uh, you know, they they tried to get ahead of it. That's what they were trying to do, and then when they saw that it got blocked, they're like, "Good, we don't have to have this anymore." Boom, away for go. Oh, time for school rides in my eight point two mile per hour truck, mile per gallon truck. Go for it, man. Go for it. Burn as much gas as you want. That's the important part. That is the important part. Okay. Um, what do we got here? We are a minute away from rejoining the radio. A minute away. And we're going to do it. Please do me a favor. Would you do that? Would you like and share this video? Like and share. Let's get more people involved in the whole thing, right? That's what we need. We need more voices, not less voices, involved in this conversation. And so I would like to see you guys uh, reach out and show your friends and neighbors, talk to them about what is important, and uh, let them be part of it. So let's reach out and uh, and share. Like and share. Don't forget to like and follow the show page. Let's go over to the phones real quick to get this caller's name before we return to radio. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Marvin from Maniac. Uh, caller again, he probably doing like everybody, but I kind of disagree with you and last caller. About- okay, well, hold on, Morgan. Hold on. I'm re- I'm going to be rejoining the radio here. So I'll be, I'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the program. One final segment here of the show for today. Let's uh, let's continue on here, and we'll take uh, and we'll take some calls. Harold, uh, excuse me, not Harold. Uh, Morgan is uh, on the phone right now. Morgan from Antioch. He wanted to sound off this morning. He wanted to disagree with me and Randy on our position hey. on the other thing there. So, Harold, uh, go ahead, Morgan. What's on your mind? 
Hey, uh, you know, uh, it's a good thing about uh, America could agree to disagree, but I actually agree with you guys. But until I've been following this Black Mandate thing, and the Israel government, they said that the government can't uh, do it. What they'll do is get businesses to do it. And by you guys saying that business has the right to do it, you're saying that the military has the right to do it. Look how many people are losing their jobs, and um, they need to uh, do away with these mandates and also uh, let these people work because. You, you, this thing about Norman Gordon Code, you know, it's not a laughing matter. Because when these blacks first came out, they had a meeting with Dr. Zink and Commissioner Crum, Senate uh, Social, Social Services Committee. On page 132, it says uh, not to have sex, not to breastfeed after two months after they have the back. And Senator Reinbold was there. He was concerned. That's informed consent. Why don't they just give people ivermectin? Right. Because they're finding out that there's mass casualty event going on. The nurse even <clears throat> testified anchors. She says she's hearing 20 stillbirths this year, all from people who've been injected. Now, why aren't people talking about it? I'm glad you, Mike, you promised you were going to look into it. Yeah, I mean, I've looked into some of yep, these villages. I, I'm some of these villages. They're, they're testing it on five-year-old. You know who they're testing it on? Probably lost in villagers. Right. They're giving these little kids shots without telling their parents of what those kids do to them. Right. About well, and I've started, and here, and uh, uh, Morgan, I've started to, uh, I've started to look into this, and I've got some information on it. Uh, a lot of the information that I'm getting is, doesn't have backing sources, so I haven't I haven't uh, really sat down and 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 explained it to the listeners yet because I'm looking for more sources on it, uh, viable sources, not just you know somebody said that somebody said that somebody said, um, and uh, we are going to talk about that later on. So uh, you know later on uh, in the show, uh, uh, maybe in a week or so, we'll t- we'll touch base on it. But uh, you're right. I haven't. Uh, I haven't gone out now. As far as saying that businesses should be able to decide, and you're saying that that means the military should decide. Military is a branch of the government, and if the government is going to say that, then I suppose that. The, I mean, I don't think that they should mandate it anyway, personally. Um, but I think that if it's a private business, they should have their. They should have their ability. Now, Timothy says in the chat room. That for argument's sake, should businesses then be allowed to discriminate based on sex, color, or national origin? I mean, theoretically, yes, because you know what? Nobody's going to want to go to a douchey business where people are doing that kind of stuff. I mean, I've said that in the past, and have not, you know, it's not been a, a popular opinion. But I'm like, if people want to do that, let them do it. It just means that I won't be going there, and I'll be telling all my friends not to go there because they discriminate based on whatever the discrimination is. Do we need the government to come in and drop the drop the hammer on people like that and tell people what they can do? I don't think so. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. I mean, as long as the businesses businesses can do that for themselves. They don't they don't, you know, they don't need the government to come in and tell them what's right or wrong. Over here, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Barbara in North Pole. How are you doing? Hello, Barbara. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I've been watching the legislature for a lot of years. Right. And um, I want to offer an observation. 
Um, it seems to me every time we get near budget closeouts, they pick somebody to make a martyr, and they attack them, and that way they're doing things in other committees uh, that they don't want you paying attention to because everybody's paying attention to the the martyrdom of, of a certain legislature, legislator or another. Uh, I watched it for years with, uh, who was then Representative Ryan Bolt, and now she's in the Senate, and uh, now I'm seeing it with uh, another legislator. And it just seems to me whenever you start seeing that kind of stuff, you need to start looking at what's going on in the other committees. Right. Because they're trying to distract you from looking at the fiscal issues. Um, because conservatives can kind of get a little sidetracked pretty easily. Right. And that's why I want people to look at what's going on at 8 o'clock this morning. Um, if you really want to improve educational outcomes, it seems to me you want to improve household income because the education research literature shows very clearly that that is the most important, most significant way to increase educational outcomes is to increase household income. Well, if you reduce household income, what are you doing to educational outcomes? You're reducing it. Right. So the bill will not achieve its intended result. And I, I hope people write in and, uh, you know, offer their sentiments on this legislation because I don't think it's the way to go. Well, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I agree that uh, on both of those things, first of all, that we need to be paying attention not just to the people who, uh, you know, to, to the people who are being attacked or martyred, we need to pay close attention to what's going on in the wings as well. Uh, is it more, you know, pay no attention to what's, you know, what the man behind the curtain kind of thing uh, or whatever else? I, I agree with you on that. And we definitely need to be paying attention to what's going on with this uh, new POMV thing because, again, it's for the children, right? If it's for the children, it must be yeah. great. That's, that's what the story is behind this right now. If it's for the children, it must be great. Amen. Okay. Thank you All very right, much. Barbara, thank you so much for coming on board and joining us this morning. I appreciate that. Uh, folks, uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, I do want to mention our new sponsor here on the program, and that is the Bivy Stick. The Bivy Stick. What is the Bivy Stick, you ask yourself? Well, it's easy. Let me tell you. The Bivy Stick is a short burst. De- it's a it's a SBD, short burst data device. S, that's silent, not silent but deadly, short burst device that turns this little doodad that I have in my hand that I'm showing the people on the screen there, which is about half the size of my cell phone, turns my cell phone into a satellite communications device, meaning that no matter what's going on, no matter if the cell phone towers are up or down, whether I'm in range or not in range, if I could see the sky, I could turn this little, I could turn this cell phone into a device that can send emails, that can uh, send text messages, that can uh, you know get weather updates, that can do all different kinds of things. I mean, this thing is amazing. This little bivy device right here is absolutely amazing. Uh, I figured that if we ever have an emergency situation, this is the best place where I can tell my wife where I'm at. I don't even have to say anything. I can just do a check-in, a little button here that says it's got the check, and I just check it in and it says, I'm okay, and here's where I am. And it drops a pin on a map, and it could send a message to my wife or to whoever else I decide to say, here's where I am and here's what's going on. Um, this thing, only 199 bucks, by the way, one of the best 
$200 you'll ever spend. And you can get everywhere from a plan from 14 bucks a month, which is kind of the emergency plan, up to 45 bucks a month. And, of course, you've got no activation fees. You've got rollovers on the not the non-unlimited plans. And you can uh, – and you could. I'm going to buy one of these and throw it in my wife's glove box just so that she can have it there and know that if something happens, she can send me a text or drop a pin for me so that I know where she's at and that she's okay. This is, I mean, again, 199 bucks of the bivy stick. You want to find out more about it, go to SatelliteWest.com and click on the bivy logo or go to a local dealer, Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer, Safe and Sound in Wasilla, Anchorage, or Soldatna, Communications North in Seward, Radar Alaska in Kodiak, Lundy Marine in Dutch Harbor. Thank you, Bevy Stick. Folks, we're out of time. We'll see you Monday or Tuesday or tomorrow. Public testimony at 8 a.m.? I'm sure there is. We'll see what happens. All right, my friends. uh, Out of time for today. That's all we can do. I'm going to go play with my Bevy Stick. I'm going to go play with my Bevy Stick. Um, all right. We will see you tomorrow, my friends. Don't forget to like and uh, follow. Don't forget to like and share. And we will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 